Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of LambdaCast. My name is David Kuntz, and I'm joined this week by my co-host, Aaron Johnson. Hi, everyone. It's just me today. Yep, we are unfortunately not able to hook up with Logan or Gary, but uh, hopefully they'll be back on future episodes. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in contact with us, you can send us email, contact at lambdacast.com. You can visit us at lambdacast.com to subscribe via RSS or listen to the episodes directly on SoundCloud. And you can look us up on the functional programming Slack channel, fpchat.com. All right. This time we are talking about null and sort of friends, you know, associated things that are related to null. Uh, we sort of touched on this a little bit in past episodes about the idea that maybe null is not something that functional programming looks on very favorably to, and in some cases even uh, has no concept of in certain languages, like there is no such thing as null. And that's usually when I tell people that, they kind of look at me with deep suspicion like I've just told them that you can't do like arithmetic in this programming language. It's it's usually about on that level of incredulity that I, I tend to get. Yeah, null is a very big deal. You have um, recent advancements, not that recent in in C sharp, in C sharp specifically, where you can have a nullable int, or you can have these nullable basic types because it's convenient to be able to work with those. Right. So that's in a case of uh, going in the opposite direction, taking things that were previously not nullable and making them nullable. Right, and and kind of what you're it sounds like what you're saying is in functional. No, no, you don't you don't get to do that. Although knowing a little bit about it, it does work kind of similar to those new nullable types because they have the wrapper around them. But we'll get there, right? Oh, I see. Um, right, yes, we should talk about that. And then um, yeah, so in a lot of pure functional languages or you know functional first type languages, null is either minimized or completely uh, removed from the language. And there's there's some direction along those lines in recent languages. So if you look at Rust as an example, and Swift, those both feature, or and Scala as well, those all feature a way of dealing with null that's not just a raw null kind of there in your code. They all have like sort of um, a more uh, robust way of handling null, which is what we're going to talk about this week. Yeah, I'd like to hear about that because I can't, there's some situations where I, I just off the top of my head, I can't think of a way to get around the, well, I just want a way to signify this has been, this hasn't been set. Right, like there's nothing here. That is a super valid point. Definitely, you have to be able to represent the idea of, I might have something or I might not have something. That's totally mm -hmm. a realistic situation that you have to be able to deal with. So when we say we don't have null, it's not like we don't have a way to deal with that. It's that we don't have explicitly the, the sort of standard way that null handles it. Does that distinction make sense? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I'm following you, and I think it's also worth pointing out that we, you are not saying, and I'm, I'm assuming this is the case, that because I, a lot of us are, of course, working with databases. You're not saying that if a database allows null values, then all of a sudden, well, sorry, that database is, you know, is not something we can work with. Right, right. Yeah, you can work around this in various ways, um, and you know, you can choose to not use the database, the null aspect of the database, right? You could say, I have no nullable columns, for example, uh, mm -hmm. but then you have to uh, come up with a, a mechanism for when you don't have, you know, uh, a status or something. I don't know. <laughs> and we're, we're going to avoid that debate. That's a big debate, too, among um, the, the database devs of the world of is is whether or not null value should be allowed in the database in the first place. And I uh, we're going to skip that altogether. 
Sure. And and a lot of those um, sort of arguments, I think, would be mirrored in what we're going to go over. I think it's the mm-hmm. same general idea about your integrity of your data and knowing what state it's in. That's kind of where null comes into this. So let's just take a slightly more concrete example here. Okay. I think there's a class of operations, uh, functions, that can get into a situation that is legitimate. It's not like a bug or, you know, you've uh, sort of backed yourself into a weird corner because the way you've modeled your data. It's a legitimate situation that they cannot produce a reasonable value. And the the classic example of this is there's a function called first or head or whatever you want to call it, and you hand it a list, and what does it do? It gives you back the first thing in the list. Pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, yeah. But th- there's a situation where that goes horribly wrong. If the empty list is empty. If the list is empty, what does it possibly give you? If the signature of that function is a list goes in, an element of that list comes back out. If given the empty list, there's no way for that list, that function to like manufacture a new value. And that would be a lie anyways, because that value was never in the list. Like there's no reasonable thing for it to give you back. Mm-hmm. And so this is typically where a language would give you back null. Or, or an exception, depending on. Or, or throw an exception, depending on the, the flavor of, of how your language does something. Right. In this case, those are, um, I guess, sort of equivalent in the sense of you have to explicitly check for both of the for, for whichever one is going to happen, happen sure and deal with it right you either null check it on the way back or you try catch around it or something like that mm-hmm. so that is a totally legitimate thing um, another thing that comes up is you have some sort of data structure and you'll have an associated value um, this is much like the situation that comes up in databases um, you don't have that associated value yet like you've created the account but you haven't verified it so there's some piece of information that hasn't happened Right. For example, um, you've you have a very easy sign up form where they just put in their name, and then later you bug them for their email address. And that mm-hmm. email is part of their their account, but you don't want to bug them about it, so you kind of defer having an email address in there, and it's of type string, but you don't have a string. So you know what are your options? You could put an empty string in there, or more often you won't put anything in there if you don't have an email yet, and you'll make it nullable. Right? Is that your experience? Um, yeah, exactly. Those are basically your two options of dealing with that a, a, a string data type, yes. And for strings, we kind of have a null, like an empty thing, right? We can put yeah, an empty we, string. Really often, well, not every time, but really often empty string is just fine. And that's that's close to a null, right? But it's not exactly the same thing. Right. It conveys very little value or information, right? But there's other data types for which you can't really, like if there's a choice, like choose yes, no on this thing, you can't just default to false. Right, because that indicates that you've chosen. Yeah. So there, you have to have like a nullable boolean field or something like that. Right. You need you need another option there. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, and, and I've seen goofy things where there's like yes, no, and unset. not chosen yeah. or unset. It's like a trinary kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of hints that there's this whole like other option, like you you want your type, your value, or nothing, or mm-hmm. you know, not set or something like that. And uh, so that's another set of things. So there's functions that don't really have a value they can give back, and you have sort of data structures in which no value has been set, but a value could be set at some point. We need to indicate those. Those are both pretty good examples of of using null. And so the answer um, that the functional world comes up with for this is you're going to have an explicit value, and your explicit value represents the idea that you could be in two separate states, and these are uh, exclusive to each other. So you're never in both of these states, you're in one or the other. Mm -hmm. And so you can think of this as like a very thin wrapper around your value. And usually this goes by the name of maybe. There's another variant 
um, that we should talk about called either. That's a slightly more powerful version, but maybe is sort of the classic example. And maybe it's expressed in, you know, the type system of, of functional languages usually, but you could emulate this in like C sharp or mm -hmm. JavaScript, for example. And the way you would emulate it is you'd have a, a like an abstract base class that can't be constructed, you know, because it's abstract. And then you'd have two subclasses. One would be called, uh, traditionally they're called just and nothing. So nothing is the case where you, you don't have anything. Mm -hmm. And just is the, you know, I have just this value or I have nothing. Uh, the other um, name that it goes by is option instead of maybe. And in that case, you have some and none. Okay. Um, that, that's the one that's used in like F sharp and Scala. And the, uh, the, may, the maybe with nothing and just is typically the name you'll see in your MLs. So you'll see it in, uh, well, F sharp's an ML, but um, you'll see it in uh, Haskell. And so again, if we're using this in, on the imperative side, we have, um, so in the maybe example, we have just, and was it none? Nothing. Nothing. Um, and nothing you're reusing, but your just is kind of like a, a base class for the actual data you want to store. Uh, it's more like um, a constructor that only takes one value, and it's generic. So it's got a, you know, a template parameter. So it's just of t. Okay. And, and it takes one parameter, and it wraps it up. And so um, the nothing there's only ever one nothing. You're correct. Yeah. It's like a singleton value, mm -hmm. right? You can't construct it. It's got like a private constructor and it exposes a public like dot value. And everyone who wants to reference nothing references that exact same one. And they're both a maybe. So you can say, I take, you return a maybe, and then you're allowed to return either, either one that you want. Mm -hmm. Or I take in a maybe, and then you can act on it. Yeah, the maybe, yeah, you're returning a just of the type or you're returning, it's going to be one of those two. Yeah, exactly. And so um, what that does for you is, in uh, well, in, in like functional first languages, uh, th they'll generally have a facility that does some sort of like pattern matching kind of thing, mm -hmm. and it yells at you if you don't handle all the cases because it knows there's two possibilities here, and it will um, either will be either be a warning or an error depending on your language if you don't handle both of them, and this is actually really important because it means that you go to the list or you use head on your list and you maybe get back a value, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can't just proceed along as if you got the value. You have to handle both of those cases because you don't know which one it actually is. Right, and, and it's convenient in the sense that you're, you're dealing with this at, com at compile time. This is not a runtime issue that's coming up like it is so often in imperative. Correct. If you're handling it in this way, you won't ever run into a null because in every case where you would have had a null, you have a maybe instead and you've checked for both cases and, and put in what to do in both those cases, and therefore you'll never, you know, you'll never blow up because of trying to dereference a, a null. Yeah, and I'm, I'm fairly confident that anyone that's listening to this that has programmed um, in a traditional language has had a null reference exception of some kind or another. Absolutely, like undefined is not a function is like the, the theme song of JavaScript. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this comes up a lot. This is, <laughs> and you know, there's, you know, people bring up that it's called the billion dollar mistake and, and, and things like that, right? Like null was introduced sort of intentionally and then was realized like maybe that wasn't a great idea. Mm -hmm. And it, it is so pervasive, it's so common that I think most people have a hard time envisioning like a world in which it doesn't exist. But uh, it is, I can tell you from experience, it is really nice when your language doesn't, like not having null is a prerequisite of a language that I use, like going forward. <laughs> like <laughs> I want languages that don't have null. And it's because, you can, with discipline in your own language, just avoid it and, and use maybes everywhere or either's, which we'll get to in just a second. But you'll still interact with libraries that, that don't do that, mm -hmm. you know, or, or other code. And so when at the language level, 
the the compiler basically can can tell you yes <laughs> you will never have a, a null slip in here uh, that's amazing right it and that's how languages like elm and purescript make these claims that say uh, you will never have a runtime exception we can guarantee that in, in within the code that we are capable of type checking obviously if you ffi out to javascript or something you're you're kind of on your own. Well, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't do anything about that. But within the code that is, you know, type checked by the compiler, this is not this is a non-issue. And uh, I don't know, like like you're saying, probably anyone who's programmed for any amount of time, that might seem impossible. That might seem like a, a fantasy land that couldn't possibly be true. But but it is. It, it doesn't seem impossible. So for me, it doesn't seem impossible. But it does feel like there's definitely a time cost there, because absolutely, there's times when I program and it's like. This technically could have a value of null, but I know it will never be null for whatever reason. Like I'm, I'm coding it. It's like, oh no, I don't even need to code for this possibility because uh, it, it never will be null, and so you don't code for that option. And in that case, you wouldn't be using a, a, a maybe anyway. I don't think. Correct. You would just return an int or a string or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you only in put a maybe in the return value if it could theoretically, you know, if you're sort of you're announcing as part of the signature that it might fail. And, and that's really cool because you look at a function normally and you go, okay, this thing takes a int and returns a string. And then you're like, or null, mm -hmm. right? Like every single time it's like that returns a, a whatever or null. Yeah. And you can't, and you know, with a basic type with, well, especially with an object type, you can't tell from looking at it if you're going to need to deal with the fact that it might be returning null or not. Correct. Yeah. The, the, the fact that it returns a, a foo doesn't really help you too much. You, mm -hmm. you kind of have to, Null check it, or especially if you very, very much don't want to get a null back. Um, right. If it's very bad, if if you yeah, try to if, proceed, if you try and yeah, move forward with the assuming there's a value, like right. with the first first example from earlier, where you just you know you would just assume oh there's always been something in that list. If you code for that, and then for whatever reason there's just not something in the list, then you don't have working software. Right. Sometimes. And you could create a data structure that's a non-empty list which is incapable of being constructed without a value, and then getting ahead of that is always safe. But generally, we work with lists, which are allowed to be empty, and therefore, head is unsafe um, yeah. if it returns a, if it claims to return a value. Which, you know, going back to last week in immutability, you wouldn't really have a reason with immutable data to ever have an empty list. So that's, a, right? I mean, that's a problem that's in a way solved. Um, so sort of the way... Um, constructing list usually works is um, it always works on uh, two like non-null elements. So mm -hmm. you actually have an empty list and then you com you combine an element with a list. And so at the very beginning, you combine your element with the empty list to, to start off. You do have an empty list temporarily. Yeah, there, so there is an empty list, but you're not generally doing operations on it. But uh, like in Haskell, uh, historically, their head function uh, was list of A to A. And it was unsafe and it could blow up and throw an exception. Uh, that's uh, in PureScript. I'm not following what you mean when you say it was list of A to So A. It, it took in a list of, of some type A, and it gave you back okay. A, an element okay. of type A. So it gave you back you know, the, the, presumably the first okay. element. Um, and so it didn't have the maybe type on there. And, and that's, you know, it's older. It's before sort of standard best practices for this kind of thing were, were really around. Uh, mm -hmm. But that was a problem for a long time. And that's been largely replaced uh, not many people use the the head function out of like the standard prelude. Like there's other sort of competing ones because that's acknowledged that that's probably not a good idea. So even okay. in like pure functional languages, you can still get in the situation of like having an empty list and trying to get ahead of it. Like say you're recursively like consuming a list and you're kind of just grabbing mm -hmm. things off of it. Well, at some point you're going to end out of you're going to run out of elements, right? And and end up with an mm -hmm. empty list. And then if you try to do your head operation, boom, you explode.
Okay. So, like I was saying, um, modern sort of programming languages, Swift, Rust, are good examples. Of Scala are examples of this. Uh, have this idea of a, a encoding in as an explicit type the idea that hey, this thing may or may not be there. It may succeed. It may not succeed. Mm. And then putting that very liberally throughout all the return types and you know in, in some cases the inputs to functions. Generally, this is the kind of thing you see as a return type, not as an input. Unless the function explicitly deals with turning a maybe into something useful. Okay. Right. So, and a, a good example of that is um, usually there's a function called maybe. <laughs> there's a type called maybe, mm -hmm. but there's also a function called maybe. And the way it works is, or, or sometimes it'll be called like from maybe or something like that. And the idea is you provide a value of type. So, say it's a, a maybe of some type A, right? That's the, yeah. the thing that's inside. So, the function is usually, uh, the signatures rather, is. Uh, provide a default value of a and a maybe of, of type a and i'll give you back either the default value if it was nothing or the value mm -hmm. inside the just if it was a just so it'll, it'll check and see which which of the two do we have here and that that is guaranteed to always give you back a value because if, okay. if there is a value we take it out and we hand it to you and if it's a nothing there's no value so we use the default and we pass it through so that would be a function that takes in a maybe it sounds uh, somewhat similar to for again. I'm I'm just relating a lot of the store C sharp programmers out mm -hmm. there. There's a there's the first or default in link. It sounds very similar to that functionality. Which again, we're working with lists, but you say give me the first item or give me this. Yeah, button. that is like if first returned a maybe, and you were just directly calling it with this from maybe to to get the value back out. But yes, first or default is doing that same sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's a different way of, of solving this this same problem as mm -hmm. first or default, mm -hmm. or this is a different way of solving the problem first or default. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and there are functions in C sharp. Uh, a, a lot of the functions that take an out parameter to do something and then return true false in the actual signature. There's a lot of collection functions that do that, right? Like, um, uh, you know, uh, dictionary operations where you're going to hand it a key and it's going to populate your out parameter with the value out of the dictionary and then give you back true false saying whether that succeeded or not. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's been a while since I was doing C sharp. I think it's like uh, I think it's actually get value does that. Yeah, off a dictionary, of a dictionary yeah. I don't remember offhand either, sorry. Uh, so so there's a there's these functions and uh, what's interesting is F sharp uh, knows about this shape of a function where when you return a boolean and you have an out parameter and they they can match that up to a maybe. They know that, that that is representing the kind of idea of, I'm going to give you back this true false to say whether the other thing actually got a value or not. So obviously, okay. if you try to look something up in a dictionary with a key that doesn't exist, the out parameter can't possibly get populated with a real legitimate value. Yeah, there's no value to give there. Exactly. And so um, you don't, and, and you can't just rely on it not being null, because what if null was the value in the dictionary? Like you need a kind of like an out of band thing to tell you if the getting of the value succeeded. So you need a Boolean. Okay. I, th I think actually what you're talking about is contains key on a dictionary. That, that, now I'm kind of following you a little key. bit more. Uh, and, but uh, it's, it's the or, one where or, it actually tries to get the value using the key. Oh, OK. So uh, maybe it is get value then. I'm, I'm not sure. So, so it's, it returns Boolean, did it get, was I able to get this? And then if it got it, here's your out parameter. Oh, so for anyone who um, is unfamiliar with C Sharp's out parameter, it basically is a way of you pass in a variable and it gets updated by the function that you handed it to. So the the sort of get value will change what your variable points at is kind of the idea. And it's sort of their way of handing back two things at the same time. Like there's a 
there's a tuple type in um, C sharp as of you know later it was I think four is or somewhere there four four point five. Another way of doing this know. concept would be when you call a function that might not have a, a value like get get uh, out of a dictionary you know some sort of uh, get mm -hmm. and you pass you in could, a key. You could tuple a bool and then the, and then a value and then a value right. right. And so if there's a null in the value part. The true false of the bool will tell you if that actually came out of the dictionary or if that's the result of failing to find it in the dictionary. Mm -hmm. And a maybe serves that exact role. That's exactly what a maybe does without requiring the type to be nullable. Because in the case of nothing, you don't need to pass it. Like the function can hand back a nothing without ever having to construct a new value. It just. Yeah, there's just nothing in that second half of the, of the tuple. Well, and it's not even a tuple, right? We're handing back two disjoint things, two distinct things. The structure of a nothing is a completely empty object <laughs> that has like a static uh, property called value that's just points to an instance of itself or something like that. And mm -hmm. the just side is the thing that actually wraps a real value. So it's not just like a, yeah. a t like, so that's the distinction is that um, just and nothing don't have the same structure. Whereas if we just returned a, a tuple, we would have to have the same structure either way. Like the value would always have to be nullable, basically. Like we say we're returning mm -hmm. a bool and a person, but we hand it back a bool. Better return something that something that, that you know the compiler recognizes as a person. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so if you want to have a, a type system in which nulls are not allowed, because you want to make the guarantee that if you say you're giving back a person, you really are, and that way it can do things like yell at you inside the function and say, "Hey, you're not returning a person here." Like mm -hmm. you, you can't accidentally just return null, basically, or some voidish type value. Um, you'd be mm -hmm. like undefined if you're in, in JavaScript and you don't return anything. So if you want to get rid of that, so that you don't act, so that you're very clear on what you're actually returning, you need to not have any nullable types. And that's why the tuple thing, while while doable, is less preferable to having two distinct uh, sort of types that can be uh, created: the just and the nothing. Does that mm -hmm. kind of make sense? Yeah, and I think I follow it. And it sounds like um, what is important about this is exactly what you said, where you're never actually instantiating that second type. In the tuple, you've got to instantiate that second part, even if even if it was false, even if there's not a value in the second part, you still have to pass back something mm -hmm. there. You can't just say, um, yeah. I mean, even if you gave it a default parameter, it still has to have you know, that default parameter of, of the object type still has to be something. Right. And if it's if you're saying that it the, the can't be null, then you have to give it a valid person type uh, because of the constraints of the language. And you may have no way of constructing that, and then you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Right. So uh, so that's maybe uh, or option, as it's called in certain languages. Uh, the other type that sort of is is hand in hand with this, that's sort of uh, a more so you can view maybe as a special case of the either type. So the either type is either left or right. Um, sometimes this is called um, like validation or result where it's like success and failure. So the right is generally considered the success case and the left is considered the failure case. Okay. Either doesn't have to be used explicitly for success and failure. You can just have two things that you're choosing between, right? But it gets used very frequently for success and failure. And so what you could, you could view maybe as either where the right side is the just and the left side is the nothing. And you don't put you don't have a real value to put in there, so you generally put in unit, which is kind of like null in in the sense of it doesn't convey any meaning. It's just like there's units? it's called unit, 
And so unit is uh, actually a lot like the nothing in that it's a, there's only one like instance of it ever that's global and it's just unit. Mm -hmm. And you can, it, it's actually even just a symbol. Like in Haskell, it's just open, close parens, unit. And unit is, okay. is there to specify, here is a value that represents no useful value. Okay. Right. So if you do an effectful function in Haskell, um, you know, you, you, uh, you console write line, right. Or, or printf, you know, kind of a statement mm -hmm. that function, um, can't have anything useful to return. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's return type is unit. Like it, it just um, says, how is, how is this sounds an awful lot like null to me with a sure. different name. So unit is a distinct type unit is of type unit and is the only thing that can ever be of type unit. Null isn't really a type. Null is like the absence of a value of the type that you claimed it was going to be. Like you can't say I have a new variable of type null. That's 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 fair. That's true. You can't. But you can say I have a a function that takes unit and returns unit, and that's that's its type. Um, and that would be your your. I mean, that would you'd want that to be an effectual function, most likely. That is absolutely a effectual function. That's the only thing that could possibly do. Absolutely. But right. those exist. And even, even then, it's not useful because you're not taking any. Well, it could be useful. But you're not taking any parameters either. And so, like you said, console.write line. If you're doing hello world. Yeah. So that that would be string to unit would be that function, right? Um, well, if you're if you're taking the hello world as a string, as opposed to just having it print out static string. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, if it's just like it just does the the print line inside, yeah. then it would be unit to unit yeah, exactly. Or it could be, you know, the printf kind of function could be string to unit because okay. it takes a string and turns unit. So there is a. The, the difference between null here is that it's a distinct type, and you can't mm -hmm. put anything else in for it. You can't say I'm returning unit and then return a string. Those are not the same thing. Sure. So yeah, but it's uh, it still sounds very similar to null. At least will you, will you give me that? Yes. So like I said at the beginning, the concept of I don't have a useful value here, but I need to give you, I need to communicate that to you somehow, is a mm -hmm. legitimate thing that has to be handled. It's just not handled in the way where you take. You claim to be returning a type, and then you return some other type or some right. other unit. Type. Isn't this default of like the oh you don't have you don't have a you don't have a person? Well, then unit automatically gets passed in this place as a substitute for not having a value. That just doesn't happen automatically in the language right. for everything. The way null does in in sort of the languages that in are many languages, yeah, yeah. in JavaScript and C sharp exactly. Talked about. So uh, you could view maybe as a special case of either where the left yes. case is of type unit and the right is you know whatever your your type is that you're wrapping okay Th those would be equivalent to each other but but either is more uh broadly useful so for example mm -hmm. um a pretty common case would be let's say you um you have an exception right you have a function that does an exceptiony kind of a thing um you know <laughs> are you saying that like when you say it does an exception you're saying it does something that might cause an exception well um a thing that would traditionally cause an exception what's an exceptionally kind so of thing? Uh, it's a, a a catastrophic failure that the function can't handle okay right so open a you, you have a function to open file and it's supposed to get a read file contents or something right sure yeah um if the file doesn't exist that's then, pretty catastrophic. You need to, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in that case, uh, you could return a maybe, in which case you know nothing indicates failure, and the just is the contents of file or something like that. Uh, but often you, that's the case where you generally have an exception instead of returning null, because mm -hmm. you want to know why you could open the file, right? There's not. Right. You want. Yeah. You might throw a file not found exception. You might throw a permissions exception. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. locks. I mean, like all kinds of things. Right. So. 
in that case, either is almost always used in that case, because what either allows you to do is, is encode the message in the left if there was an error. So it's usually like an either of string for the left and, you know, string string being like the file contents or some buffer kind of thing for the right. So if it succeeds, here's your file contents. Oh, I see. If it okay. fails, here's your, here's your string. Um, and so in that case, uh, do you pass an empty string if it succeeds? Like what's happening with the left on an either when you have success? You only ever get back one or the other. So either is an abstract base class with two mm -hmm. subclasses, left and right. Okay. You, you can't return a thing that, you can't return a left and a right at the same time. You have to instantiate either a left or a right and return that. And then when you get it, so and when you get it back, you have some way of knowing that you got the left or you got the right. Exactly. Just like with the maybe, you're going to check. So you could do a, a kind of instance of kind of a check on it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the uh, you'll have functions on the abstract base class to tell you, like, hey, if this is a, a right, give me the value out of it. Other give me, otherwise, give me this default value kind of a thing. Just like with the, the from maybe kind of concept. And I don't want to get too specific to programming languages here, but I'm just curious because we're talking about the open file concept. So I'll try and be real clear here because this is potentially a little complicated. But with open file, you don't want to open the file twice, right? And so you don't want to have a statement like if open file dot left, then do this, or if open file dot right, then do this. Um, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. Potentially, you'd be opening the file twice if you do it that sure. way. Sure. So what you do is you would say um, result equals open file some path. Okay. And then you would say switch result or you know if if result okay, kind so you're just, you're of left to a value in this particular case that's how that's how i would do it in imperative yeah as well, absolutely you just you just likely. get something back and then you say well if it was this i do a and if it was that i do b and you, okay. and you, you handle your two cases now if the compiler isn't gonna like yell at you about this you could just check for the right case and go on you know check to see that i got an open file and then and then move on and if it didn't mm -hmm. open it you know it, you can kind of just ignore that, right? As long as sometimes, yes, it depends on the, the software on what you're trying to accomplish, right? As long as you're safe about it, and and depending on how you implement it, here's the key property. Let's go back to maybe because it's a little simpler. Yeah. The just value, the just like class that you write for yourself, should not allow you to do dot value and get the thing out blindly because that might not be there. It needs mm -hmm. to be guarded by a function that takes a default value. And if it's if there's like nothing there, if it was really a nothing, you get the default mm -hmm. value back. That you have to have a function like that to turn a maybe back into just a raw value, because there's no yeah. way safely to take an arbitrary maybe and turn it into a value. And, and again, bringing this back into C sharp world, like your nullable ints have a, something like a wrapper there. That's a good yeah. yeah talk about value that because that's a good uh, comparison. Okay. Um, oh, just that. Uh, so um, if you're not used to working with C sharp. There are nullable types like nullable strings and nullable ints, um, and they have a little bit of a wrapper on them in the sense that you don't just say um, so. If you say a nullable int a equals one, you don't just get the value of a. You have to you have to ask it like, does this have a value before you actually get that value? Or you can do a get value or default um, on that nullable type to get the value. Or if it doesn't have the value, then give you a default. And so there's just it just requires you to perform, perform a check before you actually get the value out of the out of the little pocket. Yes, and that get value or default is the key. That's the thing that makes it safe. Yeah, because and I might be knocking the, the the method name exactly right there, but it's something like right. That. And and that's exactly what maybe's types have. They have this sort of get the value or this default thing. 
mm-hmm. and with lefts and right, you can you can get that same sort of situation. And, and either uh, is just giving you a little bit more power in the sense that well, you don't necessarily have to all. It's not always going to be the case that that failure is returning nothing. Like you mentioned, like maybe failure is returning an error message, like like in the case of uh, an exception. Absolutely, that's a very common case. Is anything that would have traditionally thrown an exception returns an either with the exception message in the left. And this is uh, we we didn't really get a chance to talk exactly about it, but um, in functional, are exceptions okay? Well, so that's a that's an interesting debate. Um, we talked really. I mean, traditional exceptions. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Like True. The break flow and the okay. break flow and unwind your stack and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. There are exceptions in, like Haskell, for example. They can largely be taken care of by things like either. Mm-hmm. Like either takes their place. And in fact, I, I think exceptions probably made it into those languages just because uh, it was convenient and interop was hard and you know that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I think you, my preference would be to never, ever have an exception and to always return something like an either. Mm-hmm. Because an exception, uh, generally speaking, in most languages, exceptions are not part of your type system. Like you don't say in your type that this thing throws an exception. I mean, I guess there's mm-hmm. checked exceptions in Java where you do sort of uh, declare this. Uh, but generally speaking, you're not like, uh, you don't know if there's an exception here. And an exception is sort of like, no, it's like, I return a string to you or no, right? And it's yeah, kind of like yeah. as like... Uh, Implicit. And it's another one of those things that, yeah, looking at the method signature, you you don't necessarily without actually going and looking at the actual method. There's there's not really a way to tell what's happening there. I follow. Yeah, you. and so that seems also true though with your with your either exception. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, it is well. It's not true with the either because uh, if I say it returns an either, let's say either a string or person, mm-hmm. right? String for the left and person for the right then you can't call that and not realize that this thing might fail. And in fact, generally speaking, you don't actually return a string because the string is kind of like, um, I mean, it's better than nothing, right? In terms of conveying information. I was about to ask about, well, how do you know what types of string is going to, like, that's not really very useful unless you're like checking for the exact name of the error, you know, like. Or you're just going to print it out or something. File not found or or access exception. Like that's not very useful if you just get a string back as opposed to a type exactly key or or a whole type or a whole object type. So generally speaking, in something like open file or read file contents mm-hmm. or something, you would get back. Uh, you would create a. Uh, we haven't talked about these. They're called algebraic data types, but th- effectively think of it for now like an enum. So think of yeah, it. I was going to say, an, yeah, enum would be an useful. enum of error types, you know, error states, you know, uh, permission error, file not found kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then you would return either a left of file error or a right yeah. of string. Yeah. And that way, when you get it back, it is pretty darn clear, like, okay, I'm going to now do a switch or a pattern match on every one of these types and figure out which, you know, these error types and see which one it was and then handle the ones I can and, you know, pass the ones yeah, I can. And as you mentioned, um, you when you're as as you get back that type of as you get back that error type as long as you don't i think in in c sharp what happens really often is you just do a general catch every type of exception right because you don't always know what different types is going to be as long as you're somewhat careful with your um exception type on your open file then all of a sudden you have a very useful left side coming back right a very useful we'll call it an enum enum but it's it's a lot more useful because it's a much more limited list of here's the possible exceptions you should get and you may want to handle them. Right. It's like I'm either going to give you this back, this file contents, or I'm going to give you one of these three possible errors. And you right. really, it's kind of hard to 
with a straight face say, I, I'm not going to handle this. Like, it's much more explicit, right? It's much more right yeah. in front of you. Well, I think, so, and also the point I'm trying to make with the exception is it's a lot sloppier to just, and, and you almost have to do this with some stuff because you don't know what errors you might get back. Just say, well, whatever exception comes back. Catch all everything. Just, and, and, and sometimes, you know, I'm sure in, uh, in Functional 2, you, you, you want a default option. But it, when you get back, like, the types that it could be, you can explicitly handle the type, or you can do the default option as opposed to just all, almost always using the general catch. Catch, like, just generic exception. Kind yeah. of thing. yeah, which I'm not trying. I'm I'm sure there's a, an equivalent in. Well, I would hope there's an equivalent in JavaScript as well for for catch. I'm not trying to yeah. make this all. Yeah, you can you can catch just so error. You know the base level error. Yeah. So exceptions kind of get wrapped up into this whole thing that uh, and exceptions are just another way you can fail, and this all gets back to that idea we talked about. Uh, I think during the pure function episode about uh, being total. I think we talked about that. So a total function is one that always returns a value. Like there is no situation in which it doesn't properly return a value. So the head uh, that doesn't return maybe is a good example of a non, mm -hmm. of a, what would be called a partial function. This is like not partial application or anything like that. It's overloaded term a little bit. That's called a partial function as distinct from a total function. And that in the sense there, uh, the sense of partial here is that there are inputs that do not produce an output. Because it mm -hmm. throws an exception. As opposed to, say, sum that takes two integers, that's always going to have some kind of output, right? So it's always going to have a value, so that would be a total function. Um, yes, although uh, if you could do like some integer overflow error as a result, well, okay. Then it's actually partial. <laughs> so you, if yeah, your system yeah, yeah. can guarantee that it doesn't do that, like that's handled in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, you, you end up seeing like, uh, either or maybe on operations that normally you would never think would fail. Mm -hmm. And you kind of go, huh, why is that got a maybe on it? <laughs> and then right. you look into it and you're like, oh, there are these cases in which it can fail. And normally, you know, if no one's twisting your arm, you just, ah, it's never going to happen to me. Just go forward and until it does, yeah. of course. Well, like our, like our sum example just now, like I, yeah, I, I, I forgot that you would even, like it has, it's come up so infrequently for me that you can over, that you can go over the limit on an int. And you could argue if that should be an exception or if that should just, you know, wrap around or something like that. If it just wraps around, then that may not be what you want, but it's at least total. Because mm -hmm. given two really, really big ints, you get back some, you know, negative int or something like that. Right. And that would be fine. That would still be total. But if there's an exception, that, breaks control flow, right? Well, and you, and you want to, and that's something you want to care about. I mean, you want to at least acknowledge like, okay, I don't need to care about this or I do. Yes. Uh, the, and it's okay, I think, to say like, no, I don't care. If, if I get two huge ints, then, uh, you know, then something else weird happens. And I don't, I don't need to care about that here. And just move on, right. And so that would come down to whoever implemented the, the sum, the addition type operation. Did they yeah. do it in a way that, that was safe? And so some languages do actually put... Um, the partial totalness like into the types like in, in pure script there's a partial annotation and if the function mm -hmm. is partial you're supposed to put that on there or if it can mm -hmm. detect that it's partial you have to put that partial on there and then you can make it total by handling the cases that it doesn't handle like catching the exception that it throws which is going to be i think you've said the same thing about pure and impure like there's little markers and that actually is it's very handy to get like little tidbits of extra information like that looking the function that's Totally missing from from um, from a language that I use, which will not be named. 
But yeah, JavaScript, I mean, Java, any of those, they all have the same problem of we have this type system or, I mean, in JavaScript, it's dynamic, C Sharp, Java, Ruby, whatever. Um, it's mm -hmm. either more or less uh, dynamic, but there is some sort of type system. It's doing some amount of, hey, that's not allowed to go here, kind of mm -hmm. fitting in. But it, like, as you look into this more, you probably will get the sense that, wow, there's a lot that it could be doing for me that it's not. And I, this just makes me mad. It's just like, you mean the computer that is way faster and more consistent than me, like by multiple orders of magnitude, could just be figuring all this out for me and yelling at me when I'm stupid. And instead, mm -hmm. it's been my job. I manually check all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. like I, simulating the program in my head is like the most inefficient thing possible. Because <laughs> I'm terrible with remembering a bunch of stuff. But the computer doing it is great. So I gravitate towards languages that are like, hey, we will check all this stuff for you. Make sure you're not doing something stupid. Yeah. And that, well, what's and uh, you know, if you if you feel like you're you're not bad at remembering things, then other people are that are writing the libraries that you're using, or that are writing other parts of things that you're doing. And so, if you're ever looking at someone else's code, it's nice to get that guarantee. I would imagine um, for you when you're working with other stuff is that oh well, because I know where this came from, then I get those same you know uh, partial partial indicators on functions or. Um, pure and pure markers as well, and also the um, types are returned, and that has to be a maybe or it can't be null. All of that comes just naturally. There's no that's not a stylistic thing anymore. It's a this is enforced. You got to do it this way, or you're not doing it at all. Yeah, the same compiler that's keeping me honest is keeping them honest. Yeah, and and we all play by those rules. Yeah, that is very very nice. And so when you think about ecosystems, that's a super good point. That it's not just well, I'm really smart and I write great code and I never make mistakes. It's well, does every library and every library that your libraries use all the way down that chain are those mm -hmm. also written by people who are as smart as you and people who make as few mistakes as you? And no one, I think, is gonna with a straight face say that that's that's the case. Even if the even if you think you're an amazing super programmer. Unless you wrote everything yourself from scratch, which is quite the undertaking, um, that that's a pretty tall order. And it's funny to me. Amazing super programmers are usually also very new programmers. <laughs> you just, think there's uh, a it's just a weird coincidence, huh? I don't know how that happened. But. <laughs> I have noticed this as well. That's that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, so the last like one little thing I want to I want to toss in here is that uh, we're going to have a whole episode about this concept. But when when you take the idea of failure or uh, yeah, let's just go with failure, right? Or or not being there, you know, in the case of like nothing has been set here. Mm -hmm. We we often have to do like a special kind of like one-off handling. And it's super common to say, go get a thing. And if it was there, do this thing to it. And if that thing didn't die or fail or give me back null, then do the next thing. Mm -hmm. And in C Sharp, they introduced the uh, dot question mark operation, right? Uh, yes, and that's been fairly recently. That's been in other languages as well. So the idea there is: here's a chain of things. Only keep going to the next thing if the previous thing was not the the bad state. You know, the left mm -hmm. or the nothing or the whatever. You know. Yeah, I usually I've only actually ever seen it for null. But yeah, no, I, null I, in I the case of, of those languages. And what's cool about giving a little bit more, um, like having an explicit type for both of those cases, is that you can have a uh, and then, or chain, or then do kind of a operation. Uh -huh. So let's say you have your, your maybe type that you've written, right? And you go and you, you get something that's a maybe, and then you have your and then function. Uh, so you get the value, and then you do your, your lambda, right? 
And then, yeah. So what you, that allows you to do is go do some operation, gives you back a maybe. You call on the, and then on it blindly. You don't know what came back. Give it mm-hmm. your next thing you want to do, you know, some delegate or lambda or something, some function to run. And the maybe takes care of only running that function if the value that came back was not the nothing, if it was the just or the right. Yeah, you only proceed if, I mean, it's, it's the same thing as that dot question mark in C sharp. But yeah, you're only proceeding if there was success. You, you only keep going. And that's, like you mentioned, very, very common. And, and it's super common. And you don't need like a language level feature if your value is lifted up and isn't this raw, naked, primitive null thing. But if it's a sort of a wrapped in a little bit of structure, right? You have this mm-hmm. type around it, this maybe type or this either type, which means you have a place to hang a function off of, right? That, that has knowledge of the structure and the distinction between nothing and just and can say, oh, the rule for going forward is if I got a just, okay, if I got a nothing, don't. And what you're saying here is that you don't need this dot question mark functionality in these languages because of exactly what we're talking about. You don't, you don't need to be able to do that because that's never going to come up. There is no, well, it's not that it's never going to come up. It's the fact that you, you're, if it was going to maybe return null, it's returning a maybe type. And so you have to deal with that explicitly in the first place. And you can um, write functions that work on maybes. You don't know what's inside mm-hmm. the maybe, but you just write a function that takes, you know, takes a maybe as, a, as an it, input. It takes a maybe as an input, and it might, uh, you know, continue on to take the value out of it and, and hand it along to the next function if there is a value to get out. Okay, that's 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 a little different from what I was thinking, but I, that does make sense to me as well um, because you do have to explicitly acknowledge in that case. Well, this I, I want to take a maybe here as opposed to just taking a value. Well, the and then think of and then as a, like an extension method. Right. So okay. the first parameter of the and then is the maybe. And the second parameter is the function to run. Maybe. <laughs> right. So the and then looks at the maybe and says, well, was it adjust? If so, great. Take the value out and hand it along to this function. And if it wasn't, done. We just we don't do anything. Right. Uh, we generally generally what actually happens. So the key here, um, uh, we'll, we'll have a whole episode about this. But the, the key here is that in the case of nothing, you just return the nothing. And then the case of the um, of the just, you go, you take the value out, you hand it to the function, it runs the function, and the value that comes back from this gets wrapped up in another just. And, mm-hmm. and the reason you do that is because, so we go get file from, you know, go read file contents, we get back a maybe, we call and then, we put in a function that uh, does some operation. And this function isn't, explicitly dealing with maybes. It just does some string operation. Go trim off the white space from the front of the end line. And then you do, and but but it gets rewrapped in a in adjust because that's what the and then does, right? It rewraps it back up in adjust. Mm-hmm. And then you can call and then on that because you still have a maybe, right? And, and you keep doing that. The and then always returns a maybe and therefore you can keep chaining them together and therefore, you can have this big long go get a file, and then and then and then and then and then and then. And at the very end, you can you can get the final value out. But you don't care. Like any of those could have failed anywhere through, and mm-hmm. you don't care. Like you just wrote it as if it's going to succeed. And if it does succeed, great, you get to the end. And if not, you get a nothing back. And generally, if you care about why it failed, because <laughs> it you know there's like four different places where it could have legitimately failed, you're going to use either. Yeah. In which case you're going yeah, to get a left. You'll back. stop. You'll, you'll stop. Kind of more stop flow in the middle of a little bit. Right, more, and you'll get a. You get why you stopped. I stopped at two versus at four versus at seven. You know, step seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, like you're saying, if for some reason you you want to specifically inform the user, for example, oh, this this 
part mattered that we couldn't get, we couldn't succeed here. Sometimes it matters. Sometimes then, it doesn't. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you just keep going. Yeah, sure. And you said we're going to cover this this a little bit. You know, maybe with a full episode in the future, we're going to yes. go cover this. At, at we'll length. cover and this so concept. Yeah. And uh, so, anyone listening, I don't know that I totally followed everything, but it's good to know that uh, that's all right because we're going to go into it more in depth in the future. Yep. And I will show for the listeners out there. I will show Dave what is so funny about saying and then and then and then and then, then uh, pretty soon here. So don't worry if you if you just had a hard time laughing, I, hard time not laughing. I was doing the same thing. Uh, well, that's actually the um, the last thing I had for this episode. So everyone out there, we definitely want to hear from you. Email us again, contact at lambdacast.com. We want to hear what we're doing well, what we're not doing well, what you want to hear about, anything. Uh, just yep, We read all those messages. It's always nice to get something. Thanks so much to everyone that's taken the time to write, to send in an email. It's always good to be encouraged. So thanks very much for that. Well, that's it for this week. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. And then... <laughs> <laughs>